What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad where we talk about the post-jazz game and all things sports. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad. Welcome to this episode. And the Jazz start another winning streak. They win a second one in a row. And numero ocho, Rudy Gay, shows up tonight for a big game as the Jazz beat the kind of shorthanded Toronto Raptors 119-103 and now are 10-5 and five on the season. Spencer, any thoughts on this game tonight? Good to get a win. The Jazz are definitely a little bit diff- uh, different mindset coming off of their big losses. But uh, the, the, um, the Raptors are, I think they're 10th now in the, in the East. So they're 7-8. and eight which means that they weren't a crazy competitive team, but it's still a team that you have to play hard against. So it's good for the Jazz to get a win. And it was a good game, I think, for Rudy Gay to come out. I I didn't see how many minutes he got. I think he only got a few minutes. Let me check. Um, but with his minutes, he definitely took advantage. I think he was like plus 20 overall. So if you look at the plus minus, he had a good good game while he was in. Um, yeah, 20 minutes so so or 18, 18 minutes, 27 Second, so he's he definitely had an impact with 20 points, five rebounds, two assists. What do you think the Jazz are going to be like with him now? Well, if he plays the way he played tonight, they'll be really, really good. That's what we envisioned when we picked him up in the offseason. It's actually more than we envisioned. I think if we got 12, 14 points out of him a night, we'd be very happy. But to get 20 and have him shoot the way he did, you mentioned kind of his stat line, but he was seven for eight in field goals and five of six from three. So huge took away Pascal's minutes tonight, which is what I expected. We didn't talk about this pregame where the minutes would come from, but to get 18 minutes out of him, 18 and a half minutes is really, really good. And to see him calmly play was nice to see as well. I've mentioned this during the season in our episodes about how Conley helps us calmly play. And Rudy Gay now does the same thing. And I think that's going to settle us down and make us a team that's going to be really good. So we're 10 and five now after the first 15 games and sitting, I think, let me just look really quick third in the West, which is probably right where we would should be either second or third. And um, Rudy Gay, I believe is going to hold us in that position. If not make us really a strong contender for the rest of the season. Well, he was in, he, I don't know if he took, I don't know if he's going to take too much away from Clarkson, but Clarkson played 22 minutes, pretty normal, and had 12 points. Didn't really shoot really great. Took a lot of shots. Um, so I don't know how, how Gay is going to kind of disrupt the bench or impact the bench. Our bench played really well. Um, but it does make a difference having a veteran who's confident and who knows how to play the game um, at a certain level. So definitely good. Overall, the Jazz are – playing pretty good these past two games do you is Rudy Gay always going to be a bench player then or do you see him kind of making his way into the starting lineup no he'll be he'll be a bench player our starting starting lineup is set um you do make a great point though he will take a little bit of ball movement or shots away from Jordan Clarkson however Clarkson put up 12 shots tonight I don't know how many shots he's averaging on the season He's still, his shooting is still off. He shot four of 12 tonight. He did hit some threes that were timely for us to keep us rolling. I think the big note tonight for the Jazz were the assists. I have to go to the summary here to see how many we had. Um, 
We had 24. Oh, no, we didn't. We had 34 assists tonight, which is the most we've had all season. Again, we're 27th in the league in assists. There's only 30 teams, so we're one of the worst. And the only reason why we're not 29th or 30th, which is where we've been, is because the last two games we have assisted finally on shots. The ball is moving. There, they, We looked at film, and I think we saw some things that we needed to change. And I actually think that Clarkson, I, I love his scoring. He doesn't need for me to repeat as the sixth man of the year. He just needs to be him. And maybe this Rudy Gay getting some more shots and taking some shots away from Jordan will make him a more well-rounded player. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I think that's a good point that you make about him being the sixth man of the year. He's already proved himself. It just needs to be a continuation of what he has been going forward. Mitchell had an okay game, 20 points. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. Um, Gobert had a pretty good game, 14 points, 11 rebounds. So double-double, didn't miss, shot 100%. It's kind of easy when you're dunking. Uh, O'Neal had a great game, 16 points, which is pretty good for him. Conley had a good impact, only five points. Though. Bogdanovich only seven points, so could have seen more from him. I mean, the game was in our control the whole, pretty much the whole game. We kind of opened up to a 10-point lead and a third. That's usually when we start getting going. Mitchell usually scores most of his points in the third quarter. But I wanted to focus on Joe Ingles. He had a good game, 10 points, seven rebounds, eight assists. So that's some well-rounded stats. Is Are his minutes going to go down while Rudy, go, Rudy Gay starts playing more? Or is do you see Ingles fading from the rotation? I actually think the 23 minutes or even less for Joe Ingles, he had 23 tonight, is where he needs to be. He's been up in minutes this season, higher than I've wanted him to be. Um, doesn't look like he's in great shape. I think uh, at the Olympics where Australia played, he he didn't come off of that and retool his body just right for the start of the season. That's my observation. I sent you a text during the game that is, is he fading? He's truly struggling this season. But that stat line tonight, 23 minutes, 10 points, seven rebounds, eight assists. I'll take that from him every game. Even if he gets down into the 20, 21 minutes and, Rudy Gay's minutes go up. You're going to have to find minutes for Rudy Gay if he's going to play like he did tonight. I I don't see that continuing. 20 points. That's just that's just. I mean, if he does that, we're we're unstoppable because he plays big, he shoots big. Um, but getting back to Ingles, that stat line I like 10, 7, and 8. If he could do that every night and play 20 to 23 minutes a night, I'll take it. Um, what are your observations on Bogdanovich, who's been shooting lights out the last? four or five quarters, um, only had seven points, four rebounds, six assists, three of nine. I wonder if his shots were limited tonight because of Gay's presence. This is going to be interesting to watch. Probably. I mean, they definitely, they've been practicing with Rudy Gay, so they kind of, this isn't new to them, but it is new in the sense that, he, like, Gay, they haven't played with him ever before, so he's coming in and, and having a different kind of game than what the jazz are used to. I think they were kind of willing to let Rudy Gay find his own stride. So it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to just keep playing my game and let Rudy Gay come in. They realized Rudy Gay was hot from the beginning. So it was like, okay, let's just let him play what he needs to play right now. And I think Bogdanovich noticed that he didn't seem like he was putting the ball down as much as he usually does. And he shot um, a couple threes and was one for five. So I, I think tonight, a lot of players kind of knew their, their, where they were at. And so they kind of accepted their own fate. Like, Oh, I'm not going to put up 40 points tonight. I'm not going to put up this amount of points. I'm just going to let the game play to our team overall. 
And if you really look at it, and if, you're, if people ask, hey, why did the Jazz win tonight? It really was the bench. We had four bench players shooting over, scoring over 10 points. So that's Ingles with 10, Clarkson 12, Rudy Gay 20, and then Whiteside with 11. And that's out, completely outscoring Toronto's bench. They didn't really have any anybody scoring from their bench. So that was the big impact was the bench was kind of playing. And I mean, like, look, we had seven players scoring over 10 points. So it wasn't, it wasn't a one player getting hot going off. Ruby Gay did get hot. I mean, Mitchell played his game. So it wasn't really that type of game where we just started going to one player and they scored most of the points. Right. Like it was very, Toronto. Yeah. Very Toronto interesting. Brent Jr. Very, scoring 31. So that was crazy. Very interesting game tonight. So we went by 16. We were up by 21. We were down at the half. Just an interesting game because I'm going to give a couple of stats that if you look at these stats and didn't look at the final score, the Jazz absolutely lose. They had 23 turnovers tonight. Now, Toronto leads the league, I think, in deflections, so they're up in the top five. There was a stat that was shown during the game tonight, deflections, turnovers, uh, enforcing turnovers. The Jazz have 23 turnovers and still win by 16. Now, off of those 23 turnovers, the Raptors scored 37 points. Wow. And if you looked at those two stats, and I didn't tell you the, the score of the game, and I asked who won, you'd say Toronto wins. So what you're seeing in the Jazz was calmness tonight, um, bench points tonight. I, I, again, great for Rudy Gay to come in and do what he did. I don't see that happening on a night in, night out. If it does, again, we're going to be unstoppable. Um, so just we just have to take care of the ball a little bit better. Mitchell was forcing things. Clarkson was forcing some things. Joe Ingles wasn't, you know, getting over or throwing over the top of the double team. So we got to get a little bit better there, but Hey, we'll take this win. Puts us at 10 and five. Um, maybe we spend a few minutes now on the standings. I've been saying throughout our podcast this year, let's take this in 15 game sample sizes. I like that type of sample size and let's start in the East because I think you're going to now see the standings start to crystallize a little bit. So we'll go 15 games now. We'll do this again in 15 games when there's 30 games into the season. And then you're really going to start seeing uh, where we are. So here are the questions. Which teams in the East, which teams in the top eight, which one surprises you? And which team in the bottom seven in the Eastern Conference surprises you? So we knew that Miami was going to be good. So there's no real surprise that they're top three and same with Boston. Um, obviously we didn't think that. Kyrie same, would same, with, same with Brooklyn. You said Boston, but same with oh, Brooklyn. Sorry, Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, obviously Kyrie not being there. I, I don't know if you saw St Stephen A. Smith is calling Kyrie a traitor for, for not playing right now because he's kind of letting Durant down. And now Durant is essentially alone, even though Harden's there, it's not the same. I, think I mean, that team is still in first place. They're still 11 yeah, and five. Still first, yeah, still first place. So no, no real surprise that, I mean, Durant's the best player right now, unless you want to talk about Curry. That's a whole different thing though. But Miami, I think we're surprised that they're also in first place. We, we knew they're going to have a good run. And I'm also surprised about Chicago being third. I mean, we knew when they were assembling their team that they were going to be good, but we didn't think their players were going to play that good. And then to kind of pass it on to you, I am surprised that Washington's up there that high. Same with Charlotte. I'm even surprised that Philadelphia is not higher up. They're seventh and Cleveland is top eight beating out Boston. 
And I'm real surprised that Milwaukee, it is tight within from, from rank seven to 12, but Milwaukee's sitting at 11 now and they're the defending champs. So I thought they would be above 500. They're seven and eight. So they're just below 500, but I thought Milwaukee would definitely be above 500. But I mean, the NBA is full of good teams now. It's not just, it's, it's a pretty competitive league. Yeah, you make some great points. Here's going to be my point. I look at Milwaukee and Atlanta, who sit 10 and 11 right now. And I think they go up and take the spot of Washington and Charlotte. So I, I have a hard time to believe that the defending NBA champions don't make it into the top eight. And Atlanta, I find it hard to believe they don't either. I so now you've, got to, now you've got to kick somebody out of the top eight. And is it the Wizards? And the Hornets. That said, to be clear, when you go in 15-game chunks, things start to really settle. So maybe we're looking at something that's a little wacko. And and we haven't really touched upon the Cavaliers, who are surprisingly above 500, sitting in the eighth spot. And whoa, the 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 travails of Boston Celtics are interesting. But what do you think if you had to go pick a team or two that comes out of the top? eight and put a team or two into the top eight who do you choose so i take washington and cleveland out just because i don't think they can withstand this pace and then i put boston and then i I put milwaukee up there for sure i don't i don't have as much faith as you do in atlanta i guess i think trey young maybe he'll turn it on i don't think this year he with the new rules is going to be as effective and i also think that he just kind of feels like he already did enough for some reason I'd, I'd have to really see their schedule, but I don't know if I don't have as much faith in, in um, Atlanta. Maybe, maybe, maybe Charlotte stays. I mean, they have a good young team and Michael Jordan has been kind of been pushing them to play really well. And they like the attention. I don't know, but definitely Milwaukee should be top five. I think over the next 15 games, I think Milwaukee will creep up to be in the top six. I think, um, so will Philadelphia. They'll make a little bit more of a run. Maybe Washington will come down. Maybe Charlotte will come down. And I, and I think maybe the Knicks will kind of stay where they're at sixth, at sixth place, but Miami and Brooklyn, that's going to be a good challenge. I, I, but the bowls are playing at a level that we didn't think they'd be playing at. And it looks like that's pretty consistent and almost permanent. Yeah. Great observation there on the bowls. I, I have to agree with you. I mean, with DeRozan now there and Levine playing the way he's playing Vucevic, they are good. They are good. And, and they're not my surprise, even though I generally would have gravitated to them, but those surprises are the wizards and the Hornets. So the East is now becoming after many years in my mind, a very competitive conference that maybe rivals or beats the West. There's a little bit of a pendulum swing to the Eastern Conference this year, but but some good observations. Again, happy for the Heat, quite frankly, even though I'm, I'm not a fan, no. but um, good to see them there. That'll be a good little, there'll be some great games as you get into the middle of the season and they jockey for a position and we'll see if the Bucks can, can pull themselves up into the top eight. Now, moving over to the West, Again, the question becomes two teams or a team in the top eight that surprises you and team in the bottom seven that surprises you. So I'll let you start again, and then I'll come in and say who my teams might be. So Memphis surprises me um, if I had to pick a team. Didn't think they'd be seventh. They're seventh right now. They're eight and seven. 
And then um, I you think they'd be higher or lower? I thought they'd be a little bit. I like well, I would think the Lakers would be. I don't know. It's tough because like you look at you look at classic talent and you're like, okay, the Lakers should be better, but like they are a little bit of like, oh, we'll we'll play hard. We want to play hard, so it doesn't really, and they'll make the playoffs, you know. So they don't really care where they are. So it's hard to say where they end up. Um, I mean, Field or Phoenix is on like a ten game winning streak, right, or something? Aren't they like? Eight? Yeah, they've won ten in a row. So they, I haven't really paid too much attention to them. I don't know if my algorithm on social media doesn't put them forward that much. So to me, it's a surprise that they're second. I cause just cause I haven't heard much about them mainly cause I'm not getting enough information on them. So it surprises me that they're 11 and three sitting at second place. I'm also really, I mean, it's, it's hard to say surprise, but like golden state and Steph Curry is playing a season that no one, everybody knew he was capable of no one really saw it coming, but now he's really solidifying himself as probably one of the greatest players of all time. Totally agree with you. I, I Rather, I didn't read the preseason predictions. Rather, I didn't listen. Rather, I, points night rather, in, night out. Rather, rather I didn't want to know or something, but I would never have thought 15 games into the season that Golden State would be 13 and two. And quite frankly, winning with ease. And yeah. it's dead scary because- too. They don't have, they're beating good teams. They're beating all teams. They don't have Wiseman, who is, you know, the number one pick a few years ago or in the top picks. And they don't have Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson was playing five on five today, similar to watching how Rudy Gay for the Jazz has come along. Now Clay Thompson's doing the same. This team's 13 and two, and they're about ready to add a top five shooter in NBA history to their yeah. roster. I just never expected it. And I haven't watched a full game with them. Quite frankly, you start watching a game and then you find yourself, or at least I do, watching Steph Curry. He is, he's he's a freak of nature. That guy is good. Cool. He almost knows where the play's going before the play even starts to run. And I don't think it really matters. I think he just like knows he's going to make the shot no matter where it ends up. Stephen A. Smith was saying that it's sad because when they beat Brooklyn by a lot, the fans in Brooklyn were cheering for Steph Curry which is kind of interesting Interesting when you think about it. They were chanting MVP for somebody who was playing against them in their stadium. So it just shows, number one, how good Steph Curry is and how recognized that is, but also just kind of the, the downside of maybe Brooklyn and how their fans are reacting to their team. I think but, they, I saw bits and pieces of that game. Curry was dazzling and it was re- they were really good and he was really good. So I, I'm not... I know why Brooklyn was doing that. Those were just fans who had come out, paid a lot of money to be in the Barclays Center and were able to see a great show. That That's what happened there. You put that into a NBA Finals, they're not cheering for Steph Curry. I think that night they just saw something that was pretty impressive. Well, I mean, he's doing it night in, night out, which is actually pretty crazy. I, I think he's like on oh, – let me pull up the, the thing I read about how many points he's on pace for this season. And then I was going to ask you – um, about your thoughts on Dallas. Let me just find my, my little stat, though, really quick. Yeah, so as we go through the Western Conference again, Golden State does surprise me. Phoenix, uh, we talked about this, I think, a few games. It was like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with Phoenix? Now they're 11-3 and three and playing really well. I think uh, Chris Paul leads the league in assists. Um, I will say that the, the surprise for me, I really thought I'd see more out of Sacramento this year. And it looks like they're going to end up where they've been for so many years. Uh, the Trailblazers at, at eight and eight, you know, I thought I might see more out of them. 
Um, I'm impressed by the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard sitting at nine and six. Paul George is also running for a dark horse of an MVP. He's kind of playing really well. Yeah, I've seen that. I'm, he stepped up in the absence of Kawhi Leonard and done what he's paid to do. And so you got to give him credit. Uh, again, the, the surprise for me is at the top. The Golden State Warriors at 13 and two. I would have thought they would they would be in the eighth or ninth spot kind of just where they were last year. I, I don't I'm trying to figure out what changed Jordan Poole's playing well on that team. Andrew Wiggins is playing well. Draymond Green is playing well. Um, and Steph is just ha- at, a, at, a, at a whole new level. It, se- it almost seems sustainable. I, the stat that I found, so Steph's Curry is on pace to make 443 three-pointers this season. Is that, can, do you think that's sustainable? Well, I 443. Yes, I do believe it's sustainable. I heard that he told, I can't remember if it was Stephen A. Smith, told someone, he says, I had the best offseason ever. I feel stronger, better, better, and more healthy than I've ever been. When you hear a superstar who knows their body and knows how to play saying that, um, that's scary. So, yes, it, but I, he's a really hard player to double team. So it's hard to throw a defensive scheme at him. And when players around him are playing really well, then it's even more difficult. So it'll be hard to guard him once Clay Thompson's back too, because then you have to worry about that. I I did want to talk to you. What's your position on, um, on Dallas? I mean, they're nine and five. I, I haven't watched them play enough. It'll be fun to watch the jazz go through some of the Western conference teams here in a little bit to see, how good they are. I don't, I don't have a comment. What are your thoughts when you ask that question? Well, I, I mean, clearly the positions three through seven or three through six, mainly on the, on the, on the West with Utah, Dallas, Denver, and uh, the Clippers, it's all close. So it's all within a game, but I didn't think that Dallas would be this high up. I, I thought they were kind of off to a slow start, but they, they've been winning games. They lost to Phoenix the other night, which is big, but um, I just didn't, I, I didn't think, well, I, I, would, I, I thought Denver would be higher, maybe like one or two higher. Yeah, Denver lost tonight in Denver against the Sixers, which is really strange because the Sixers were terrible against us a couple of nights ago. Yeah, I don't think they even had Embiid either. So that, that's interesting. I mean, we're looking at us. I think this might be the best season ever in the NBA in terms of spread with like teams being – at their highest level. I think yeah, every- when you say, when you say parody or, or, you know, everybody being at the level last year, I thought was good. I mean, the bucks come up and win, win the NBA. As I stutter, I think the words are, do you have a dominant team? that you just go, Oh my gosh, they're going to win it. If you look at the standings, golden state warriors are that team. And it is crazy. Yeah, I just right. don't know how they're doing. It's, it's not like they have Steph Curry. Is he worth, is he worth two superstars? When you ask me about Dallas, Dallas doesn't will not surprise me as long as Luka Doncic is playing. He is just that big, that strong, can get a shot, and can keep a team in a game. So that doesn't surprise me. But this is a great question. I've never debated this with anybody. Is Steph Curry worth two players on the floor at once? You know, that he's that good that if you did four on five, that he still might win a game. Probably. I mean, it takes two players to guard him. There you go. So I don't see why. And he still, and he still beats them. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think he's, 
I mean, I would take him. I would trade two players for him. I I think so. I don't, I don't really know what like what like what else to do with him. Is that good? Because yeah. if you look at the so through the last four weeks, throughout the four weeks, um, so points per game, Kevin Durant has the most. He has twenty nine points. Uh, tw- he averages twenty nine point six points. Steph Curry averages twenty eight point one. So he's second. So clearly he's his three pointers are going in and he's getting those points. Third is Giannis with twenty six point five points a game, and then Paul George is fourth, twenty six point five points a game, and then John Morant is with twenty six point two. It's fifth. So he's so. I mean, are we surprised about that? I think Paul George is having a season that we're surprised about, and I think John Morant's having a season we're expected, but still outplaying well, probably what other people are thinking. Um, yeah, just there's incredible talent, and like I said, I love this, and I'm going to keep saying this every episode. It is so fun to watch the NBA this this season, and every game that you watch, if you're a Jazz fan, like we are, and you're watching them every other night or every two nights. Tonight we saw a great player in Gary Trent Jr. go off. Saw you know Fred Von Vliet go off. There's just so much good talent in this league. It's rare you get into a game and you don't have somebody that you're excited to watch or they do really cool things. But yeah, those players at the top of the leaderboard are all having incredible seasons. I think Donovan, going back to the Jazz, I think Donovan Mitchell had 13 points night before last in that Sixers win, and he had 20 tonight. And the Jazz are blowing teams out. So those are two teams that are a little bit undermanned, meaning they're missing key players. But no longer do the Jazz need Donovan to go off. And that could be a help as we move through this season. And he probably will some nights too, which will be a bonus. And then we talked about rebounds and kind of the stress that we have with the rebounds for the Jazz. But throughout the four weeks, Rudy Gobert averages the most rebounds in the league, he averages 15.3. Um, and then uh, Jokic is underneath him with 13.7. And yes. then overall, Rudy has, this is, I mean, this is like two days old, but Rudy has 199 rebounds. And then uh, Jonas Valachunas. Yeah, Valanchunas, yep. Valanchunas, he has 189 rebounds. So Rudy is out-rebounding most of the league by quite a bit. But still, he, it seems like the Jazz almost get out rebound each night, and I think that's because Rudy is the only—not the only, but the main rebounder on the team. So when he's not in the game or when he's not rebounding, it it kind of affects the Jazz. And that's well, so. yeah. When the season started, the Jazz were out rebounding teams when we got off to a hot start. Tonight, we out rebounded Toronto forty six thirty five. You're right. In the losses that we've had, it's been a a glaring hole has been our rebounding and our offensive rebounding however i i think we went through a patch i can't fully explain it and hopefully that little patch that little stretch of losing four games out of five has helped us mature a little bit and and get back on our winning ways let's look um let's look forward uh let me do just a quick nba at 75 catch up i think last time we were on the episode we talked about charles barkley does that sound right yeah so tonight I'll do a, you know 90 seconds on Rick Barry, just because his last name is my first name. Uh-huh. Rick Barry, um, a one-time NBA champion, one-time NBA Finals MVP, which was with the Golden State Warriors. So he won their first championship. He was an NBA Rookie of the Year, 12-time NBA All-Star, and six-time All-NBA team member. Um, I 
I'm old enough to have watched Rick Barry play. I loved his style. I had a lot of grit. He made free throws underhanded. So he patented what you and I would call the granny shot mm -hmm. and uh, really made that something special. He scored 18,000 points in his NBA career. And he also scored points 7,000 in the ABA and had over 25,000 points. And um, just an amazing free throw shooter. Let me just see if I can get a stat here. He it's shot 89%, at 89%, right? So uh, definitely deserves a spot in the 75. I think I'll say that about all of them. Um, maybe Damian Lillard surprises me when we get to him, but Rick Barry, just really a great player. And it was fun in my age, watching him in his later years with Golden State and uh, Al Adels and, and that team win a championship. Yeah, Rick Barry is kind of the player that everybody, no matter who you are, when you hear his name, you're like, okay, I, I, he's an NBA legend. It's not a, it's not a who or a what. Why do you say that person? And I think that's just because he's had the impact on the game, and and can't really argue with his, um, his Hall of Fame and his records and stuff like that. So, I think he belongs up there for sure. I mean, he was, I guess he was technically a small forward, so I don't really know who else I'd put in there that would replace him in the small forward category because he's just a legend. So I agree with this. Yeah. And, and kind of a guard forward and just played really well. He's had uh, some of his sons have played in the NBA. And so that's been fun to see a little bit of a legacy of the Barry family carry over. All right. As we finish up the jazz now take their 10 and five third place uh, in the Western conference record on the road for a quick jaunt over to Sacramento will be the third time. I think we've played the Kings this season, which is impressive to play them, you know, three times in a 16 game span. Uh, and they, again, I thought they'd be better than they are. This is my surprise team at the bottom of the standings in the Western conference. How do you think they'll fare against the six and nine Kings on Saturday night? So we beat them both times, right? Yep. It was kind of scary one time, but I, I think just Sacramento's not playing good. They kind of have some issues. Uh, Fox is kind of falling, falling short of his potential, which is sad. But uh, they obviously have Darren Mitchell, right? And he's a really athletic. I mean, it's an athletic team again. We kind of know what to expect. If it's in Sacramento, it might be a little bit more of a challenge, but they're not playing great. Sacramento's not playing great. It, the Jazz do kind of have that problem of, um, falling asleep on teams and other teams do have the tendency of playing great against the jazz. So it'll be a good game. Um, I hope, like you said, you made a great point that the four out of five uh, losses that we had kind of sparked something in the jazz and it's kind of carrying over. I mean, Gobert is getting a little bit more physical. He's not taking as much. And I think that's kind of motivated the jazz to make a stand and, and say, Hey, we are the real deal. You guys need to treat us like the real deal. And I think beating teams that have a bad record kind of even proves more that you are the real deal. Yeah. It's a long season. It's a long season yet. Yeah, this has been a great chat about these first 15 games and taking in that chunk and what's happening. I said earlier that the jazz are probably where I thought they would be at you know, third place. I, I would have loved them to be in first place. The Golden State Warriors absolutely have amazed me, um, but I'm happy where they are. They're learning each other. They're moving their way through this. They now have a full roster that seems healthy. And uh, if we can stay healthy, I think that there's a chance that we steadily move through this season and kind of do what the Bucks did last year. They had won the 
regular season, I think two years ago and were the favorite for the NBA and they didn't make it. And last year they were kind of, you know, right there in that second, third, fourth spot in the East and they won the championship. And I think the jazz can very much mimic what the bucks did last year. Yeah. So hopefully the jazz are still awake and they beat the, they beat Sacramento. I mean, you still need to win the games. You still need to come out and play each game and it's going to be fun. Watch them in Sacramento. Yep. Sounds great. All right, dad. Thanks again. All right, Spence. Talk to you later. Bye.